Good morning and welcome to Life Connection, a ministry of First Baptist Church of Joplin. We're glad that you're taking the time to join us this morning as Pastor Jamie shares an uplifting message with us from God's Word. This sermon was recorded from our 1030 service at our downtown location at 633 South Pearl in Joplin, Missouri. This morning we are beginning our series called Runaway, looking at a story out of one of the most beloved chapters of God's Word, and that's Luke chapter 15. And in Luke chapter 15, Jesus is telling his audience three stories. One story is of a lost sheep in which the shepherd leaves 99 sheep and goes out into the wilderness to find that one. And when he finds it, he brings it back rejoicing. The next story he tells is of a lost coin in which a woman lost and she swept and searched the house and lit a candle and did not stop with her diligence until she found it. And when she found it, she called her friends together and rejoiced over the corn that she had found. The third story is probably the one that is the most dear to us because I would say that probably a lot of us could relate probably more to the prodigal son uh, than the lost sheep uh, or the lost coin because the, son, the prodigal son is a story that encompasses really both ends of the spectrum of spiritual life. There are the prodigals and the runaways represented in the younger son. And then there is the older son who sets very, uh, very concerned, very angry, very upset over uh, this lavish display that the father shows once the prodigal has returned. So for the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at this story of this runaway son. And one of the reasons why this is such a beloved chapter of Scripture is because it clearly expresses God's love for the lost. It clearly expresses that our Father does not want any of us to be out of His possession. Just as the shepherd cared for the sheep, the woman cared for the coin, and the Father loved the Son, so our Father loves us. And this morning I hope you will join me in the reading of this story in Luke 15, beginning in verse number 11. Then he said, A certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him, had compassion, and ran 
and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight and am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me even a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. And it was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The story, rags to riches, bad to good. The son, younger son, comes to his father. And we are going to spend plenty of time looking at how far he goes and how how deep he goes and how how bad his situation has become due to his choices. But let me just pause for a minute. As we begin that journey following the prodigal son in his downward spiral, let me just tell you what this all started from. Because we know where his destination was. We know where his life of wandering, we know where his life of prodigal living, we know where his life of rebellion from the father's home, we know where that led. But what was it that caused that to happen? What was it, what was the first step that the son took that led him down that very treacherous perilous, dangerous path. And, and I'll tell you that it was this attitude of self-will. It was this attitude of self-will. Now, we don't know what roles and responsibilities that the younger son had when he was at home. We don't know how much he engaged in the day-to-day activities, clearly living on a farm. We can only assume that he worked like the older brother. We can only assume that these two sons of this man worked in a similar fashion, that, they, that there were responsibilities for them on this farm. So I think it's fair to us uh, to consider that this son had come from a working background. He had come from a, a background where he was with the father, where he had worked for the father and had worked with the older brother. But he comes to this place in his life where he begins to think that I would rather be out doing my own thing, living life by my own terms, than I would, I would rather do that than stay here 
confined to my father's house. So clearly, whatever it was, has to be that that attitude of self-will, that this is my life, I want to live it my way, I want to do it on my terms and go my own direction. And he says to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. This son has thought this through. He knows that there's a life out there that he wants to live. He is tempted to leave the father, leave the the rules, leave the restrictions, leave the work, leave all of those things and go out and live life the way he thinks it ought to be lived. He wants to be out from under the thumb of his father. The Bible says that we all like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way in Isaiah 55, 6. The Bible tells us that naturally we are very self-willed. We want to go our way. We want to do our things. We want to live our life by our terms. So really every one of us at some point in our life should be able to look at this initial decision of the prodigal son and be able to see a picture of ourselves. Each one of us was born, the Bible says, into sin. We have sinned. We were not naturally seeking after God. We were not the ones running after Him. We were not the ones crying out throughout recorded history for God to come and redeem us. We were the ones that were running from God. Even God's pinnacle of His creation, Adam and Eve, when He told them that they could eat of any tree in the garden they wanted, but not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For in the day you eat of it, Jesus, God said, you shall surely die. And the story is that Eve ate and she gave to her husband and he ate. Of course, they were tempted by the devil. But the Bible tells us that when they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, they sewed fig leaves together to cover their nakedness and they ran from him. They ran from the voice of God who was coming to commune with them, who was coming to fellowship with them, who was coming to walk with them. And rather than running to God, their sin brought them to the place where they were scared and they ran from God. The Bible says we are naturally enemies of God. And here this younger son represents that very well in coming to his father and saying, Dad, I've got different plans for my life. Dad, I don't want to live here. I don't want to live under your terms. I don't want to do life the way you tell me to do life. I want to go out and experience it for myself. Now, I have to tell you that there indeed is some value in a child, come, in, in, a, in a young person coming to the place where they leave home. There is, there is, it is noble for a young person to reach that place in life where they recognize that they need to go out and start life themselves. That's called growing up. They get their job, they, or they go to school, and they provide a life. Whatever it is, they move out from their home. They leave their father's home. We all do it at some point. And it's noble. It's good. It's right. But there's no indication that this son was ready or prepared 
to go, not because of the father. The father was going to have him there. It was the son's decision to leave. It again shows his immaturity in this decision. This is not a, I'm ready to leave. This is I, I want to leave. He comes to his father and he says to him, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. This is one of the more staggering statements, I think, in the story. We all know what an inheritance is. An inheritance is something that you receive most generally when the family member has passed. It is what they have accumulated and now are divvying up and leaving with their family that is left behind. That's what an inheritance is. It is the accumulation of an estate in which that person has decided how they want to distribute it, and upon their death, most generally, upon their death, they distribute it. That's how it happens in Scripture most of the time. Once they die, the inheritance is passed down. It's the same today. The inheritance is passed down after the person is dead. So if that's the case... And most generally, the inheritance is passed down after the person is dead. What then is the son saying to the father? What is he saying about how he feels about the father? What is he saying to the father? We can answer it like this. Parents, how would you feel if your child came to you and said, Will you give me my inheritance right now? Because I want to leave and move. Mom, Dad, would you give me my inheritance now because I want to move out? Do you know what that child would be telling you without ever uttering the words? That child would be telling you that their life's priorities no longer included you they would tell you that you are they are not concerned with you anymore friends i can't help but think that if your child came to you and said would you give me my inheritance now because i want to take it to leave it would be as though they considered you dead His life's priorities no longer included the Father. Many of us, if that was our child, would say no. And we would probably say it just like that, wouldn't we? We would recognize that there was a problem. But the Father, recognizing that the Son is exercising His, his own will... The Bible says that the Father gives him the inheritance. I pause for just a minute. We, many, enter into this story 
probably, maybe many of you, relating more with the older son than the younger son. There may be some that would be able to say, I can associate more with the younger son due to some seasons of my life. Uh, I can relate to him more than the older son. But let me just tell you one thing about what this younger son does that maybe we all might be cautious to not do because there's something that the younger son does that is so tempting and that each one of us must be on guard so that we do not do that very same thing. What the younger son is saying is this. Dad, I'm more concerned with what you can give me than who you are. I'm more concerned with what I get than knowing you. I'm more concerned with what you can fork over and hand to me than growing in a relationship with you here in the home. I am more concerned with taking what you have rather than knowing who you are. And oftentimes in our lives, we can get to that same place. Where we might, we might start reaping in and asking God for all of these things. Asking Him to give us His inheritance and bless us and strengthen us. And, and we might be asking for all of these things from God, all the while never giving much concern to growing in a knowledge of who He is. It is that age-old issue of reaching after the gifts while forgetting about the giver. The son is saying, I care more about what you can give me than knowing who you are. Does God delight in giving us great things? Yes. God delights in blowing our minds and blessing us, but he does not bless us simply to make us happy. He does not give bountifully simply for the purpose of giving bountifully. He gives us gifts so that we might come to know the giver. He places in our hands. He pours over our lives, not for the purpose that we would be distracted by the gifts, but that we would be attracted by the gifts. Attracted to Him. This son comes to his father and says, Dad, give me my inheritance. Give me what you would give to me when you die. Because I want to go. And move out. The Bible tells us that it says he divided to them his livelihood. What that means is the father gave to him his inheritance. He gave what was the father's to the son. In the original language it's much more clear in the original language verse 12 says so he gave them the life so he gave him the life the son asked for it exercised his self-will to be away from the father 
and said, in essence, Dad, I care more about what you're giving, what you can give to me, than who you are. So the son's decision was based off of an attitude, was carried out by a request. And the father allowed that request to happen. The second thing this morning is we notice the son's direction. He now says, I have my father's inheritance. He's given it to me. It is now mine. I'm going to go out and I'm going to spend it. He is wasteful. That's what prodigal means, wasteful. And it says in verse 13, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with riotous or prodigal or wasteful living. The Bible says that the son went to a far country. First was his decision, motivated by self-will, carried out by a request with which the father granted. Secondly, we see the son's direction is that he was going far, far away. Going to a whole other country. Some have speculated why the son would have gone so far. Some have suggested that maybe the son was going to that far country because he knew in his mind the activity that he was going to engage in. Some have suggested that he already had a blueprint in mind of the activity that he was going to be uh, pursuing, and he knew in his mind that the father would not approve, thus maybe wanting to shield the father from some of the pain of hearing or seeing it, so he went to a far country, way far away from his father because he knew he would not approve. Let me ask you a question. Does that sound similar to many of our life stories? Does that sound similar to many of those stories in our life that when we were engaged in things that we shouldn't have been doing? When we were caught up in sin? When we were making poor decisions and decisions that definitely would not honor God? When we were making those decisions and living those lives on our own terms, in our own way, out from under the Father's thumb... Do you remember that those were times that you were getting further and further from God? Not just because of the barriers that that sin would bring up in your life, but because you knew God did not approve. Folks, there are many times people will not engage in a spiritual conversation because they know that God would not approve. There are many people who would fail to come to a public worship service because they know that the life that they're living is a life that God would not approve of. What happens is that sin, that lifestyle, those actions keep carrying us further and further and further away from God. I want to tell you this morning, it does not matter what you're doing. You probably know deep down in your heart right now that what you're doing, if you're caught up in something, that God does not approve. And here's the great news. Even though God does not approve of sin, He is eager and willing and ready to forgive you and I. He wants us not to go to a far country. 
He wants us not to go further and further away from Him, but He wants us to be drawn to Him. It is His love that draws us. It is His forgiveness that brings us back. And I want you to know, God doesn't want you to continue moving further away from Him. He wants you to come back to a right relationship with Him. The Son, knowing His actions, the things that He's recorded as doing, would bring shame on the Father. He leaves and goes far, far away. God stands ready to forgive you today, no matter what you've done. No matter how many times you've done it, no matter how, no matter how far away from God you feel you are right now, He is only literally. He is a prayer away. You may have walked many miles away from God, but the good news is that today, instead of going to a far country, further away from God, you can stop right now and say, God, I'm sorry. I know what I've done is wrong and I ask you to forgive me. You can make up that ground right now going back to God by repenting and asking God to forgive you. Son's decision was motivated by self-will. His direction was to a far country and then it leads us to his destitution. It says in verse 14 that he wasted his possessions and when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine, and he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate. And no one gave him anything. That road, that far country, going further away from the Father. It led him to a very bad place. He wasted his money. The older brother says he wasted his money on harlots or prostitutes. And he has now no money. And now a severe famine comes in the land. It seems as though it's mounting up on him. It seems as though all of these things are piling up. He is now out of money. He's not having a good time according to the flesh. And now there's a famine and nobody's able to get any food. So he has no money to buy food. He's hungry. So now he has to get the only job he can get. And this good Jewish boy can only find a job of going out. Or this Jewish boy can only find a job now of going out to feed pigs. He is getting further and further and further down on his spiral. He is falling further and further and further down. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 14.8 that swine were... To make one religiously unclean. Swine in the Old Testament for Jews was considered to be an unclean animal. They were not to come in contact with them. They were definitely not to touch a dead one. Swine were considered unclean. They were not to eat them. And here the son finds himself walking in the pig pen. Walking in the pig pen with them. Not only was he out of relationship with the Father, not only did he have no more provision left, 
But the Bible says he's about to starve to death. He's looking at that pig food thinking, man, I would eat that in a heartbeat. But no one gave him anything. He's watching these pigs now eat better than him. He is looking at what he is feeding this unclean animal and he's thinking to himself, I wish I could have some of that. Let me compare for just a moment. This young boy's two masters. His previous master was his father. Had an inheritance laid up for him. Had work for him. Obviously, according to the son's testimony, had more than enough food for him. A father that we know later in the Scriptures loved his son. So we've got a loving, providing father. And now he finds himself working under a new master, one that has considered him a slave, one that has thrown him out into the pig pen, one that has given, given him the basest of all jobs and doesn't even care if he eats. The father had all kinds of bread, and the father cared about him, and the father loved him, but now his new boss, Now the owner of this pig farm doesn't care at all if this boy even eats. Let me tell you something. When you and I, when we were lost, when we had yet to come to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says our master was the devil. Our master was the prince of the power of the air. The Bible calls him. The Bible tells me. Jesus tells me in the Gospels. That he's a thief. That he does not care for the sheep. That he only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That road that you're on. You've got on one hand a father that loves you and cares for you and can provide for you. And on the other hand, you have this master who gives you the worst jobs that, that puts you in a moral compromise. You have, on the other hand here, you have this bad master that doesn't even care if you eat. Which would you choose? Father that provides and cares and loves. Or master that throws you out in the pig pen and lets you starve to death. I say we choose the Father. Quick question for you. As the sun is setting there in his pig pen looking at what the pigs are eating. Do you think he ever thought it would end up like that? Do you think for a moment that when he went to his father and asked him for his inheritance, do you think when he was packing up his stuff the next days, and heading out to a far country, do you think he had any idea that he was going to end up on death's door in a pig pen, friendless, penniless, starving? I would argue that he didn't think that. 
I would imagine that he thought he was, it was going to be good times. I would imagine that he thought it was going to be wonderful and great. And yet his prodigal ways, his unwise decisions, his wasteful investments cost him. And here he is. Oh, how sin can deceive us. It's been said that sin will take us further than we ever wanted to go. Cost us more than we ever wanted to pay and leave us there longer than we ever wanted to stay. Folks, I cannot tell you how many times I have counseled people in my office. They have sat across a desk from me and said, I never would have dreamed that this would have happened. I can't tell you how many moments people have looked at me who have been caught up in this lifestyle of sin, be it adultery or pornography or, or lying and, and to think that, or poor financial investments and, and to say, I never thought it would have ended like this. I never thought it would have happened like this. Sin deceives us. We think it's going to be good. We think that the pleasures are great for a while, and they are maybe. They are maybe enjoyable for a moment, but the lasting effects are damaging. I will tell you that this son, being in that pig pen, being destitute, being lonely, I can tell you that his situation, no matter how good his times appeared to be for a moment, I would have to think that the bad was by far worse than any of the good that he could have experienced. He wasted his money. He's feeding pigs. He's starving. His new master cares nothing about him. Verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, But when he came to himself, I underline it in my Bible, but when he came to himself. Something happened. He fell to the bottom and it jarred him. He was down to the end of the rope and the knot at the end is what jarred him back to reality. He now had this self-awareness. Just as self-will got him into the problem, self-awareness helped get him out. He recognized this is what it's like to be hungry. This is what it's like to be friendless. This is what it's like to leave the Father. So he makes a decision. He says, I will arise and go to my Father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you, and I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. He realizes in that pig pen, I can't stay here or I'll die. I've got to go back to my Father. I've got to go back to my Father. And that's exactly what He does. Exactly. Folks, the prodigal son has long been used for a clear teaching picture of what repentance is. It was not just enough for him to lament over his situation. He could have stayed in that pen and said, Oh, I shouldn't have been here. I never should have left. But that's not what he did. 
It would not have been enough for him to say, oh, I shouldn't have left. Maybe I should go back to my father. See, it would not have been just enough for him to lament and even make a plan. He had to actually carry through with it. He could have been sorry for his sin. He could have been sorry for the direction that he made. But had he not changed the direction, he still would have been in the pig pen and he still would have died away from the father. He recognized where he was. He recognized what he had. And he remembered the goodness of the father. Today, God is calling us to him. God wants us to be with him. God does not delight us to be in a far country of sin, living life our own way. God has a life for us that the creator of us has planned for us. He has a good and perfect will, Romans 12 tells us. Good and perfect will for our life. He doesn't want us to run away. He wants us to run to him. And I pray this morning that we would not just say, man... God, I recognize that there's some issues in my life. There's sin in my life. God, I recognize I'm in a bad situation that we would not just stop with recognizing where we are and that we would not stop with saying, God, I've got to get out of here. God, I've got to move back. I've got to change my direction to move from this sin and to move into a right relationship with you. I pray that we would not just lament over it and that we would not just make a plan, but that we would actually follow through with the doing of it. That this morning what we would see It's a group of people knowing that our Father loves us and can provide for us and wants us to be with Him and that we would take that opportunity this morning to walk back to Him, to repent, to ask Him to forgive us, knowing, knowing this, that He is a Father who will always receive. The Scripture says in Romans, where sin did abound, grace abound did much more abound. We hope that this broadcast has been a blessing to you. If you're without a church home, we'd love for you to drop in and visit one of our many weekly services. We offer ministries for every age. For more information regarding the church and the ministries we offer, visit us on the web at fbcjoplin.org. For prayer requests or to receive a free, unedited copy of this sermon, please call the church office at area code 417-624-624. 4585. And thank you for being a part of Life Connection.